Hello and welcome to Small Town BS. My name is Zach Bellman. It is Tuesday, April 7th, 2020. It's been, I don't even know how many days since we've had any sports, but it's been entirely too long. You know, this this sporting lull that happens between the Super Bowl and March Madness has basically been extended indefinitely as we, you know, go under nationwide and worldwide, uh, you know, quarantines and isolations and safer at home orders. And, you know, it's been a lot. It's definitely been a lot. Um, but uh, appreciate uh, wherever you may be tuning in from uh, today. We got a really special episode today. You know, I, I won't entirely blame coronavirus for uh, not putting out an episode for a few weeks. I was kind of falling into the busy end of the high school uh, basketball, gymnastics, uh, wrestling season. Had a few state trips for, uh, you know, a couple of our teams and kind of made it hard to, you know, get in a regular rhythm with uh, this kind of stuff. I was going to do kind of a preview of the Brewers, kind of looking – you know, at their infield, I did some half research on that, was almost done with an episode, and then all of a sudden, you know, the other shoe drops, and the NBA season is canceled, followed by the NCAA tournament, followed by baseball's opening day, and now the draft is likely taking place online. Um, it's it's just been day after day of the other shoe dropping in the sports industry, and, um, you know, we we have to we have to absolutely prioritize people's health in this day and age, and um, but you know it's it's also a, a a definite letdown for for fans of sports and stuff like that. So um, you know I I decided uh, I'd maybe try and reach out and, and get something special for uh, for this next episode of Small Town BS. Uh, I wanted to have you know on a, a pretty big guest. I I. I Put a line out there. I, I saw what what uh, what might bite, and uh, I ended up with a pretty special guest for today. Uh, one that I admire tremendously for his work on Fox Sports Wisconsin uh, and a variety of national networks covering the NBA, covering um, you know college basketball. Uh, Brian Anderson of of uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin and, and a variety of other networks is our guest guest today. Um, and uh, first of all, I, I want to thank him for joining us. Uh, it was it was an absolute pleasure to speak with him. You know, the, the saying goes, never meet your heroes or never speak with your heroes. Um, but, you know, Brian Anderson is every bit of the class act and, and gentleman that, uh, you know, you would imagine he would be uh, based on his uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcasts. Uh, truly just a pleasure to speak with him. And uh, I guess we'll just jump right into that interview because I know uh, many of you are probably watching for that. So uh, just wanted to do a brief intro and uh, just let you know that in the coming weeks, we're going to try and get some more sports personalities on the show. Um, and uh, appreciate you tuning in to Small Town BS. Here's our interview with Brian Anderson. My guest today is Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Wisconsin. Brian, first of all, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, wanted to jump right in here and ask what you've been up to over the past few weeks since the sports world came to a screeching halt. Well, a whole bunch of nothing, man. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of uh, podcasts and a lot of interviews uh, like this one, and 
looking around at some some young broadcasters who are trying to get their career launched and helping them out wherever I can. So uh, pleasure to be on your show, and I'm I'm glad that you're taking the steps to uh, get a podcast done and produce some content to entertain uh-huh. us all. So yeah, I've been doing a, just a few projects here and there, working around the house, spending time with my family. Um, I do have work to do. I have some voiceover obligations that I do. Um, so, you know, that keeps me busy and I'm just trying to take advantage of being home for the first time in a long time, this time of year. Absolutely. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, have you gotten to the point some of these other broadcasters have like Joe Buck, where you're asking people on social media for videos of sports to do commentary over? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not asking for it, but I've actually done a number of those uh, just for just for friends and people that I've met. I, I've been doing a lot of these Zoom chats mm-hmm. with universities um, going on and, and like a lecture series. And, you know, there's been a few requests. Uh, will you will you call play by play of, you know, my nephew, my cousin, my brother, my sister? And so I've been uh, I've been doing a few of those as well, just not publicizing them. Sure, sure. broad reach, Joe Buck. Yeah. You know, obviously the news of the hour published late last night as we record this Tuesday morning. Jeff Passan reporting for ESPN last night saying that the MLB is working on a deal to potentially start the season in May with all games being played on a number of fields around Phoenix, Arizona. A couple highlights of the proposal included uh, players sitting in the stands to maintain their distance, staying sequestered at hotels for up to four and a half months, electronic strike zones, seven inning double headers to get closer to a 162 game schedule and no mound visits for the catcher or pitching coach. So I ask you, Brian Anderson, how bad do you really want to get back to work? Is this viable? Um, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, just generally speaking, I think it's important to remember that every league um, is coming up with multiple plans on on a comeback whenever they get somewhat somewhat of an all clear so i am not saying the reporting is inaccurate at all matter of fact jeff's one of the best writers and news breakers in the industry in any sport mm-hmm. i just think it's probably one piece to the puzzle and the one that would be the most immediate so i think you're moving into the phase now where this would be the next thing uh the quickest thing that we could put together. And I think there are a lot of those things. This is my own opinion. I haven't talked to anybody in the know. I just, just knowing the way these leagues are working and remember president Trump had a conference call with all the league commissioners this past Saturday. So I I know he has some urgency, especially for sports and entertainment to try to get back to somewhat normalcy because they do lead and they do drive, um, public perception on where we are and if there are no games that means we're going to stop down and whatnot so mm-hmm. I, I just would take all of this with a grain of salt i, I think it's a proposal um there's obviously going to be discussion about it i'm i mean i don't know how jeff would have gotten this information unless it was directly leaked from the league or certainly from the player side the, you know the players mm-hmm. union i mean there's no there'd be no way that anybody else would know about that other than those two parties. So um, either way, just think about what the leak means and what this reporting means is that there's probably some level of um, toe in the water perspective, meaning 
what's the public perception of this and let's kind of get feedback and drop mm-hmm. this nugget out here and get a little feedback. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of this with the precursor <laughs> that whatever you do, don't take this news as news that, Hey, our lives are going to be back to normal soon. Yep. Uh, because what re- we really need to be doing right now, if we're not in the healthcare industry, not medical workers, and we're not on the front lines, we need to stay home. Mm-hmm. We need to have social distancing protocols in place and stay home and try to mitigate this thing as best we can, because we're putting a tremendous burden on our healthcare workers as it is. And I'm sure any healthcare worker right now who saw this kind of news come out, rolled their eyes like, here we go, because people are just so hungry for good news and any kind of news to allow them to get back to normal, get back to work, give them excuse to hang out with their friends, to, to be together in large groups, to go to church services, to go to games, mm-hmm. all of that. And it's just irresponsible right now to take news like that and fast forward it into how I'm going to act today. So I cannot stress that enough. Th- these are contingency plans. It does not mean that we are about to be in an all clear scenario right now. Just stay home is is my bottom line message absolutely absolutely and i you know i going off of that for kind of the player reaction i just happened to see this morning on twitter uh brett anderson i'm assuming no relation uh starting pitcher for the brewers uh tweeted the excerpt uh you know about being sequestered with no family allowed at hotels and basically said it starts and ends right here so i guess we'll see um you know that uh Obviously, that that's not a, an appealing aspect for the proposal. I'm sure the baseball season already requires so much travel and time being away from family. And, um, you know, to suddenly make that a four and a half months without potentially seeing family at all. I mean, that just does not seem like an appealing, uh, you know, position for a lot of these players to be in, uh, you know, as far as that goes as well. So, um, but yeah, you know, well, uh, I've, I've tried to, while I've not, uh, I've tried not to look at the games we've missed so far, uh, but I would imagine in an alternate universe, Brian, you'd be wrapping up March Madness, maybe doing some NBA playoff games and be getting ready to return to Milwaukee to cover the Brewers. Uh, you know, what storyline for the Brewers, especially were you looking forward to covering this year? Yeah. Matter of fact, tomorrow would have been my first Brewers game um, after coming off the NCAA tournament. Um, so this would have been uh, the beginning of a homestand coming up uh, this week. The, the second homestand of the year, I was going to miss the first homestand opening day and the first homestand. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the Brewers are uh, in a great position right now. I think they're, they're a really good team. I think they're a playoff team. I've been saying that since January. I really like what they've done. I like the players they've added. Uh, um, it takes a little homework and a little mm-hmm. invest investigative reporting. Um, because they're not a lot of household names, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of really good names and people in the industry know that these are good players that have a chance to pop under certain circumstances. And uh, I think the Brewers have kind of flooded the market as best they can with players like that mm-hmm. because they want the options. You know, there are options. There are five outfielders that you can rotate around. Braun is willing to play first. So, that gives you a platoon over there with Justin Smoke. You've got Avisail Garcia, who's, I think, stepping into the prime of his career. And I think fans are going to love this guy. I, I feel like he's going to have a huge season. He could be a 25-30 homer guy. He's really fast. He can play all three outfield positions. I've seen him. I've, I've mm-hmm. covered a lot of his games with the Rays and the White Sox uh, in his past. And I, I think he's a guy that 
could flourish at Miller Park. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him play. They've got a lot of versatility in their infield. Arias uh, looks like a guy that he's been hurt. We didn't see much of him in spring training, but you know he's a really high upside player that most people are excited about in the game to see what he's going to turn into because there's a lot of scouts that have him as an everyday potential all-star type player down the road. I mean, he's just, mm-hmm. just starting his major league career, but um, to see his progression and how he, how he advances and what kind of player he'll be uh, is going to be very interesting to me. And most important, they have an excellent pitching staff. They, they don't have the big sexy names. Uh, Woodruff is the ace. I think he's as good as any ace out there. Uh, but mm-hmm. he's, he's a new, he's new to the game, you know, as far as top pitchers go, he's not a household name. Um, but they've got depth in their rotation. They can go eight deep. And if your eighth best pitcher starter is Corbin Burns. And if you're expecting a bounce back from him, I am, man, that's mm-hmm. all points in between one and eight are pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, uh, as I kind of looked at the Brewers off season, it, it just seemed about, it just seemed like, the general philosophy of GM David Stearns is just acquiring bats that play well at Miller Park. I mean, uh, you, do, you just look at some of these guys like Omar Narvaez and Justin Smoke, guys that, you know, are going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. They're going to take that, you know, uh, they're going to test that right field fence. And, um, you know, it, it just seems like generally whether you agree with it or not, his, his philosophy in regards to uh, starting pitching has just been not uh, – you know, dedicate a lot of high value assets toward that, whether that be lucrative financial deals or trading a lot of prospects for starting pitching. Um, you know, it just seems like this is, this is a team that's built to win on, you know, the back end of the bullpen and just hit more balls over the fence than the other team is going to. And, uh, you know, I, as we've seen the past few years, it's, uh, it's gotten them to back-to-back playoff appearances. And I, I would tend to agree with you. I think, uh, you know, they're in a, still in a very good position to be, competing for a playoff spot. One, one player that's returning that uh, I think was one of the more exciting, um, you know, uh, guys I was looking forward to seeing this year was uh, Keston Hira in his second year. I was really anxious to see what he could put together after a breakout season in his rookie debut. And I really thought, you know, on the list of home run leaders that he would be right behind Christian Yelich, maybe, you know, in that neighborhood of 35 home runs or so. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing, how, how he continued to develop, you know, what were you kind of seeing from him, uh, you know, from the broadcast chair uh, in, in his first season? Yeah, he's definitely got that star potential offensively and he's improving defensively. I don't think he's ever going to be a great defender, um, but he can be average and average is good enough for the kind of offense he's going to bring. So he, he looks like, you know, a star to me. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got, he has next level offensive talent. He has power. He hits to all fields. He he's good in deep counts. He's going to strike out a lot, and those will tend to uh, subside as he gets into his career and he learns pitching. He's only a rookie last year, and I think you know the high strikeouts alarm some people. But there's a lot of great hitters that struck out a lot in their rookie year. So mm-hmm. uh, what I see is when he does make contact, uh, they call it the bat to ball skills. Those are really, really impressive. Uh, if you look at his average exit velocity, um, if you look at his batting average of balls in play, I mean, they're, they're next-level all-star material, and he's only going to get better. He's a young guy that has terrific work ethic and great attitude and a good team player. 
So he's a big part of what the Brewers will do. He's the kind of guy that could hit third, you know, and hit, hit right in a premium spot. Yelich is going to hit second as long as he's here for the next eight years, hopefully mm-hmm. nine years. But, um, you know, here is one of those guys like that's the combo. Yep. Yelich and Hira for a long time now. Uh, we're talking at least here still under contract, you know, under control for five more years. So, I mean, this is kind of like a golden era of everybody thinks about the Braun Yelich combo. Braun's drifting toward the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane is obviously a big name in that lineup. And Kane and Yelich, because they came to the Brewers together, often get paired. But really, it's Hira and Yelich. That's the combo. That's like the dynamic duo, everything else you can build around. And I, I don't think there's a scout or a baseball executive around the league that wouldn't take Hira and Yelich for any tandem they have right now um, because I, I think that's how talented they are. Absolutely. And, and talking about the, uh, you know, the team control that they have over both of those, specifically – uh, Yelich's deal uh, this offseason you know what was, what was your immediate reaction to that and you know both as both as a you know uh, team friendly deal but also just a, a long number of years that the the Brewers are going to basically be able to retain him uh, for the duration of his career well it was refreshing it was refreshing that the player wanted to be in a place he recognized that this is the place that I want to be that I can excel that I can thrive the money's going to be there um, maybe he could have gotten more money had he waited it out and he probably could have based mm-hmm. on the kind of contracts you see from, you know, Stanton a few years back, Bryce Harper, uh, the deal Machado signed. So in that regard, I think he did leave some money on the table, but at the same time, we're, you know, he knows the money we're talking about here is generational money. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just his children, but his children's children are going to, reap the financial rewards of this contract and and he knows that and so he wants to be here this is a comfortable place for him he loves the organization he made that clear the organization loves him back and they came to a deal and i think it's a i think it's a great deal i think it's it's i mean he's going to be getting paid till he's well into his late 30s yeah um on deferrals so he's he's definitely going to be a part of the organization I believe for longer than he's a player in the organization. So now you're talking about like, I mean, we just lost Al Kaline, right? The great mm-hmm. Detroit Tiger. And you think about his career and certainly he, he was playing in the sixties that was at, at his prime. Um, and he became a broadcaster and an executive and he's, he's been associated with the Tigers until the day he died. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying Yelich will do that, but that's the potential that, Yelich was thinking about and the Brewers were thinking about with Yelich, much like uh, Robin Yount, much like Gorman Thomas, Jim Gantner. Um, they want these players, these iconic players, which Yelich is going to be part of the organization for years to come after their playing days. And I think that's why the motivation from the Brewers was we're fine with the deferrals. Um, we, we need to do right by him. So he wants to be part of this organization moving forward. But I think all parties at this point in 2020 feel strongly about that connection. Yeah, absolutely. And I I was kind of stunned by the, you know, the relative financials and, you know, all those stories about the money left on the table and stuff like that. Um, but you know, you, uh, I think as I've heard before, uh, I think from Colin Coward, he he says, uh, don't, 
chase money, chase good management. And I think that's what, uh, you know, what Yelich has kind of found in Milwaukee and, you know, particularly with the situation he came from in Miami. Um, you know, I think he, he recognizes the, um, you know, the people surrounding this organization um, and, and wants to be a part of it for a long time to come. Speaking of people we're thankful to have in Milwaukee and hope to for many years to come, you, Brian Anderson, have been courted for years by larger markets. You talked about it from the outset of your first interview with Fox Sports Wisconsin that you thought or that they thought you were a flight risk and how <laughs> loyalty was such a big thing to you on both sides of the employer-employee relationship. So I have to ask, you know, what has kept you in Milwaukee all these years? Well, I, I just I love it here. You know, I, I, I raised my family here. My daughter was in second grade when we moved here, and my wife and I just have – come to love the market we love where we live we love our neighbors um i love the small townness of the city even though it is a city and it's a thriving city and has a lot going for it it's uh it reminds me of my hometown you know 20 years ago austin texas so austin's kind of grown up and and you know it's turned into a place that i don't really recognize anymore and uh, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it. I love Miller Park. I love working for the Brewers. Um, the booth at Miller Park, even details like that, mm-hmm. um, makes me a better broadcaster because where it's positioned and the noise, the sound in there, just the the feel of it, our crew. Um, I talk about our crew a lot because I don't think many people realize or would even care to realize if you're just a, a viewer, but our production crew is as skilled as as there is in any market in the country and i've been in a lot of markets and i've worked a lot of places and i do national games Mm -hmm. and i would take our local brewers television crew and i would do any national game uh any day with that crew um because and most of them are doing national games Uh, you know we have i don't know six or seven camera operators that are all doing the nfl and big big uh, national games and tape operators and, and audio people. They're all working elsewhere, much like I am on national projects, but they've, they're Milwaukee people and they've remained true to this market and they work as many Brewers games as they can. And that to me is a really important part of this because mm-hmm. if I don't feel like we're able to put on the best production we can, and um, you know, it's enticing when you look at the Los Angeles Dodgers, they, they have double our, our facilities and our toys, you know, their, their local Dodger broadcast is about twice as what we have in Milwaukee. They have, we have eight cameras. Typically they have 12 to 16, depending on uh, the kind of broadcast they're doing. They have much more personnel. And so part of that to me is um, knowing that there's real talent behind those cameras, behind those tape machines uh, and those microphones, and can we make this eight-camera game, which is a good number, but can we make that feel like a national game? And I think we do. We have a world-class directors. We have world-class producers. So that's a really important piece of the puzzle. I mean, I would probably say that's number two on the list behind the city where I live, the neighborhoods, the just the school system. Um, so that that's why I've stayed. Um, I, I really haven't had an interest to go pursue everywhere. I don't need a big market for my own ego. I love going to Miller park. I love the fact there's a roof. 
<laughs> and there's no rain outs or rain delays. And I mean, that's the worst for me. I just, I, I can deal with the weather in the wintertime, but I'll take that roof any day. So, and they've been very flexible with me and allowing me to go do national games. And, and I'm very thankful for that um, because I, I probably wouldn't be here unless they were flexible with me to do that, because mm-hmm. that's, that is something that, you know, I want to pursue. That's a bigger you know, when you're on these big games and you're on these network games, that's anybody in broadcasting, we strive to do the best or be considered among the best. And that's how that happens. Um, I'm not saying I'll want to do it forever, but in this window of time for me, that's important to me. So I do appreciate the Brewers being flexible with me. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of speaking of your national broadcast opportunities, they kind of take on a different flair than your FS Wisconsin broadcast. Do you enjoy playing it more down the middle on national broadcasts, or do you enjoy those opportunities to get a little bit more excited when you're doing more local work for the Brewers? It doesn't matter. I mean, I think there's art in, in both ways, you know, there's um, I I think it, it kind of works both directions. You know, there's things I love to do and I appreciate about doing the Brewers on a local broadcast um, that I wouldn't get to do on a, on a national game, especially the relationships and the camaraderie that we have with our, our people mm-hmm. at the same time, I, I enjoy the pressure of the national games too, and having to go in and, and dig and find stories and, um, knowing you don't have a whole lot of time. And so, um, there's no preference either way. I, I enjoy doing both things. I think both make me better to do the other one. So when I go do a national broadcast, I feel like I'm getting better and getting more experience in a different realm that I can then bring back, you know, ideas. And you're just, you know, on a national broadcast, it's not just the games we do, but it's all the interactions. It's all the the creative process and how we do things. And there's more time to explore more content, uh, creative content time exploration on a national game you know doing a brewers game it's it you're you're just you're doing the game you're kind of doing it the way you've done it so i feel like i'm able to bring back some fresh ideas some different thoughts um so that's kind of why you know i feel like it's valuable both sides too i take a lot of local ideas to the national broadcast as well i i often i'll have conversations with Turner sports about, you know, how we're doing it at the RSN level. And this is kind of what fans are used to. And, you know, even with things like the strike zone box or how we put graphics, where we put them, do we put them up top? Do we put them down in the bottom, right, bottom left? Those are all discussions I've had in the past. And so I think one helps the other in a lot of scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thing I kind of noticed about your broadcasting style is that you often fill a broadcast with notes from something you read in a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel piece or an article from The Athletic, and you're always quick to attribute those stories and suggest people read them. You know, how important is the printed product and the rest of the media ecosystem to what you do as a broadcaster? Oh, it's important, and that's why I support them whenever I can, and I'm, I'm worried about the print side and I, I think there will always be content and there will always be a need for it it's starting to turn more digital mm-hmm. i don't read the newspaper anymore i read the digital version of the newspaper and but i still have a subscription uh, because i know you know our local reporting is taking a major hit and um i i do think it's important these guys do a great job especially our beat writers uh tom hodgecord adam mccalvey and 
Uh, now Will Salmon is here from the athletic. Um, so mm-hmm. I think they do a great job covering the team and um, they're, if, if they're finding things that I don't, or I haven't, then I want to attribute them and then advance that story too. And vice versa. I mean, they, they take a lot. We have a lot of conversations. So I, I like the camaraderie of it all. Um, it's not that way in most markets, but in this market it is um, because I think we all understand that we're here to help each other and it's important to help each other. And so I, I do like that aspect of um, of the writers and then our broadcast team, you know, whether it be Jeff Levering or Lane Grendel and, you know, Bob Euchre, not so much. He's not really into that side of it, but, um, you know, we, we always, we're always collaborating on, on different things. Mm-hmm. Well, this print journalist, thank you very much for that. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure, man. For um, sure. And, you know, I also saw in an interview you did recently where you described some of the sports you would and would not consider doing as far as broadcasting. But I also wanted to ask, you know, would Brian Anderson ever do commentary for a video game? If MLB the show or perhaps a future NCAA basketball game, if those ever return King Calling, would you be interested? Of course, of course. I, I'll call anything, man, especially now. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll get, uh, we'll get MLB the show on the hook. Hopefully you won't unseat your, uh, your buddy Matt Vescursion. Yeah, that's the thing. There's <laughs> people who have those jobs, so I don't want that to come out that I'm, uh, I'm pining for their jobs. Now, Matt does a great job with MLB the show. He's done it, I think, for probably – 15 years 20 years or so but no he's awesome man and i uh yeah i i would i would definitely do it but i'm not eagerly seeking it either yeah that's fair yeah and you know especially that's got to be such a different medium too because it's not you know calling live action necessarily they may throw something up for you but like you know it's it's a lot of reading names in the same tone and stuff like that and i've just kind of noticed that recently with when i play the game is uh you know, it's it's just got to be a lot of reading names and in, in the same tone and stuff like that, and uh, it's got to be a different medium than you know calling a game live for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is, no question. Well, Brian, I wanted to kind of end on a fun note since we had no March Madness this year. I was wondering <laughs> if I could do a mock call for you of how I think the inevitable national championship between my alma mater of Marquette University and the University of Dayton would have ended up, and maybe you can critique me? Oh, I love it. That's, that's right. awesome. Let's do it. All, All right. right. What, what's the play? Do you, is it a, give, me a, give me a scenario first so we can talk this through. Is it? Okay. Uh, well, I, I got, I, I'm setting the scene. I, you know, being the writer in me, I, I wrote out the whole scene. And, you know, I, I can't begin to pretend I can do live commentary <laughs> like yourself. So, you know, I, as a writer, I just had to write out, write out the whole scene here. So we, I'll start, it's starting on uh, 70 to 68 Dayton with five seconds remaining. Here we go. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and Dayton's at the line here. So. All right. Get the, get up, man. So get to the end of your seat. Sit up straight. Put that <laughs> right. air in the diaphragm now. Don't be, don't be squatting back. Let's go. All right. Sounds good. All right, if you're just joining us here, it's 70-68 to 68 Dayton here with five seconds remaining. Obi Topin, a 70% free throw shooter who is four of five tonight, is at the line for the second of two that would put Dayton up by three. Topin clanks off back iron. Marquette with the rebound. Outlet to Marcus Howard. Three seconds. Howard across midcourt from just past the logo. It's good. It's good at the buzzer. And Marquette is a national champion for the first time since 1977. The Golden Eagles shocked the Flyers at the buzzer on a heave from their senior, Marcus Howard. 
<laughs> well done, man. Well Thank done. You. you can do this. A monkey Thank can you. do this job. Come on. Thank you. Oh, that was a great deal. Now you just got to add a little crowd noise in there and you got yourself a clip. <laughs> Thank you so make much, your, Brian. Make your demo reel. <laughs> I, I, I felt you holding back just a little bit. I, like maybe your neighbors are hearing you or something. You, you got to let it fly. You got to get loud. Sounds good. Yeah, I do have an elderly neighbor neighbor downstairs for me. I don't want her banging on the uh, yeah. She's probably banging like, on the roof of the broomstick right now. This but... lunatic right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and I was rehearsing it this morning, so you know, like <laughs> now uh, she really thinks I'm crazy. But you are a writer. You you uh, you pour over. Unfortunately, when we do it for real, we get one shot at it, and we got to right. trust, right? Yeah, and I, I would imagine it. you know some of those those things I, would, I i just pictured the stuff you would see on the graphic you know the 70 yeah. percent free throw shooter and the four or five i feel like that stuff would be available uh and other stuff i would hope you know to count on background research for but you know the writer in me wasn't gonna do that uh you know, <laughs> i would <laughs> be I, I would definitely you know like if if if, if uh, obi topin was at the line i would Instead of stats in that moment, I would definitely be curious to see his body language, his eyes, his breathing, you know, as a man. And I would say something like, what must be going through his mind here, these huge free throws? And then as Marquette gets the ball, one thing I do a lot in my play-by-play, because I want people to zero in on this, but there's five players on the floor for Marquette at that moment, right? Who is going to have the nuts? to take that shot who's gonna take the big shot who's gonna step out on the plank absorb all that pressure and either make or miss and live with that the rest of his life and that that's the kind of stuff you can really uh engage the viewer with because that's what's really going on like that's that to me is the most fascinating moments of when these athletes perform and we're watching them in these crunch moments um, all that training, all that practice, all those reps, and now can they execute it? And who's willing to execute it? You'd be surprised how many people aren't willing to take those shots. Um, so that's that's always something I try to draw attention to. Who's going after the ball as opposed to who's running away from the ball? Absolutely. And I don't know if you've seen a, a certain viral uh, video of uh, Greg Jennings scoring a touchdown against Darren Sharper, but let's get inside the mind of a Greg Jennings. That's kind of what I was thinking of as you were talking there. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, Brian, I realize you probably have a lot more time than you usually do under present circumstances, but thank you so much for joining me. I know I speak for Milwaukee fans nationwide uh, that we will not start to feel normal again until we can turn our TV on and hear you behind the mic or Bobby Uecker on the radio. Truly, it was a pleasure to speak with you. Safety and health to you and your family during these uncertain times. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Good interview. I was, uh, I was glad to be with you today. Thank you so much, Brian. You All have right. a good one. Stay safe. Okay, see you later. My thanks again to Brian Anderson for joining us. Uh, I think one of the more important things he said, you know, in the whole interview there was from the outset that, uh, you know, we need to be taking these reports about sports starting again with a grain of salt. That, um, you know, just because things will be starting is is not going to mean, or could potentially be starting is not going to mean that, uh, you know, it's time to just do all your normal activities as you normally would again. Um, you know, I think it's important that we uh, adhere to these safer at home orders and that we, you know, stay safe and, you know, just not take unnecessary risks at this time. 
uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get back to, to gathering in groups and watching sporting events and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, the more seriously that we take this stuff now, um, you know, the, the less of a chance that we have to jump back to this. I think, you know, my first reaction to that, uh, that report from Jeff Bassan was that, you know, I just hope that we do not uh, get two weeks into this and realize that we have made a massive mistake. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate Brian really focusing on that in the interview today uh, and, and him being so gracious with his time. Um, so we will be, you know, looking to develop uh, a couple more episodes here in the next few weeks, um, you know, talking to other sports personalities. And, um, you know, we appreciate your support of the podcast. Uh, as always, you can find my social media uh, uh, in the description of this episode and, um, you know, be sure to be following small town BS on Spotify, uh, anchor where we're hosted and just anywhere where, where you can find podcasts is usually where you can find my, my podcast by searching small town BS. And thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you in our next episode.